ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, this week I sit down with Nick and Travis of Gnarly Rack Outdoors. We get into freezer burnt wild game, building a community, and the satisfaction of putting someone else on an animal. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Nick and Tyler of Gnarly Rack Outdoors. What's up, boys? How we doing? Hey, what's going on? So let's jump right in, um, and I'll let you guys kind of take the lead on this. Um, who wants to go first and give us an intro uh, first and foremost about yourselves? So you guys flip the coin there. You can go ahead, uh, Nick. All right, fine. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm from uh, uh, born and raised in California, but my dad lived in New Mexico. So I was back and forth uh, between parents. <clears throat> so my dad was super into the outdoors, hunting, fishing, whatever. So uh, he actually used to carry me in a backpack in one of his hunting trips. I've got pictures of it. Um, kind of funny, but that's how I got started since I was about knee high. And uh, just had a love for it ever since and just want to keep spreading that love. So that's where I came up with Gnarly Racks. But yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Northern California, about a couple hours below the Oregon border. And growing up, you know, the town I lived in has got 3,000 people in it. And, you know, a mile in any direction, you're in the woods. So naturally that's what i grew up doing running around chasing deer turkeys ducks you know everything i can get my hands on and uh eventually it just kind of you know went from a hobby to a passion and i mean i guess now you can call it a slight obsession with it <laughs> but you know i feel like anything you love you know there's got to be a real fine line between passion and obsession yeah are they the are they different um, i don't think so <laughs> I think they are in a sense. I do. I think that, you know, you can be passionate about something, but you know, you can be passionate about a hobby, but once you get obsessed with something, it brings it up to a whole new level. Cause that's all you want to do. You become a perfectionist with it. I think we're all walking that. 
a fine line with the hunting and fishing. <laughs> Ain't no fine <laughs> line in my, in my book. There's no fine <laughs> line, man. <laughs> I was swayed a long time ago, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, Tyler, that's what we tell the girlfriends. Yeah. That's Tyler, right. are you, uh, are you central, coastal, eastal, or eastern, northern California? Um, I'm more eastern than anything else. I'm like, like I said, about two hours below uh, Oregon, other than probably about hour and a half, two hours maybe from uh, Nevada. Oh, okay, I was gonna say, have you? Uh, so you're not in the sh- in the Shasta area then? I know they have those wolves that. Uh, I am. The bit. wolves are right in my backyard. Oh, are they? So you're out just yeah. outside of McLeod, or? Yeah, I'm uh, less than an hour from McLeod. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we hunted up there. I think it was three, maybe four years ago. And, uh, man, we could hear them every night. Dude, I was, you know, oddly enough, was itching to itching to get eyes on them. And we could hear them, I'm going to say, within quarter mile of camp, but never uh, tracks and everything, but never got to get eyes on them. Yeah, you know, they uh, the, the pack that was up there, actually, that's uh, – they called it that pack the Shasta pack. Right. They actually were in uh, – pretty close in between uh, my town of Bernie and McLeod for, you know, a while. And they actually just moved up more towards in between like McLeod and Shasta Lake area. Now what's that brewery in McLeod? Dang it, man. I can't think of the name of it. There's a brewery in McLeod that has the best freaking pizza, man. Oh, I can't think of the man, name I of it. Think of it. I don't know. Cannot. It's right there. As you pass the golf course, I mean, it is like soon as you get into town. Damn it, man! I can't think of the name of it. But we were up there. It was three of us, and we went in and ordered. I think we all got ordered a pizza, not realizing how uh, big they were. Gonna, I think we ate pizza the whole week on that mountain, man. <laughs> till the till the mice got to it, and that mouse. I kid you not, man. We saw that mouse, and we throw him the crust. And then he eventually got into it. And after about seven days, dude, that mouse was fatter than hell. <laughs> Didn't want any more. Oh, man, he was done. <laughs> he probably never got off that mountain either. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't. Oh, man, I can't think. That was a really good, really good brewery, though. It's nice. You know, that, something about cold pizza, man. You know, After about four days, it was, you know, it was nasty enough to do away with. But, yeah, I enjoy oh, yeah, up there. that much pizza for four days. Well, we didn't realize it, right? Well, I was like, oh, you get this. I'll get that. We'll share it. You know, we'll have some. And then they come out and these pizzas are, you know, you're, you're thinking it's a large, right? Which is like a, what, a 14-inch, 12, 14-inch pizza. And a large like- there was like 20-some-odd inches. So they bring these massive, <laughs> massive-ass pizzas out. And we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's, I think it was Siskiyou Brewery, I think was the name of that place. I don't remember, man. It's really good. If you if you get down in McLeod, man, you need to check it out. Yeah, well, I didn't even know there was a brewery over there. I had no idea. I know, I know there's one up towards like Mount Shasta area, but I didn't know there was one in McLeod. Yeah, it's it's really really good. It's just a little mom and pop spot, man, but it's excellent. We're good, good. That's eats. awesome. Yeah. So, um, Nick, why don't you give us a little bit? You started, but why don't you give us a little bit, man, on your on your hunting um, and your outdoor life, man? You said you started with pops in the backpack, so why don't you let us know when it really flipped for you and you just started chasing? Well, so I've always hunted. I never really got to kill anything until I was about 16 years old. And uh, my uh, my dad and I went on my, my first 
real deer hunt. Like I went with him, but he always shot. So when I was 16, we, we went on our first deer hunt and I killed my first buck and it was just balls to the wall after that. I was hooked. There's nothing that could stop me from hunting. So I, I ended up getting us all set up on the fishing game website and it would put in for us every year. So every year between all the family members, we'd, somebody would draw a tag, whether it be elk, deer, antelope, something like that. So it'd always be a family occasion you know what i mean <clears throat> nice nice bonding experience so we just kept that up and um kind of passing on to my little brothers now but yeah i've just i've put in for everything in new mexico from oryx to bighorn sheep and i mean i've been lucky enough to get a couple exotics and i still got, got more to go but the state's been pretty damn good to me um and then also I've been, i got my saltwater fishing out in uh socal um a lot of tuna just it's, been obsessed ever since that that day I shot that buck. To be honest, but now on my uh, my fishing career has been a lot longer than my uh, <laughs> hunting career. Let's put it that way. Yeah, the fishing the fishing in uh, in our waters lately. I'm gonna say the last four to five years has been nonstop, man. Kind of off the off the hook. No pun intended. Yeah, the bluefin bite has been no. It's been it's been insane. I went two years ago and caught a 95 pounder at San Clemente Island, which you talk to any old timer, they'll tell you that's nuts. There's no bluefin at, <laughs> unless you're talking in the 30s or something like that. But um, they changed their course. I don't know something something made them change the bait, the the waters. So now water, they make a uh, water I, I watched temps, actually, Yeah, I watched a, a big special on it. Um, I watched a special on it, and this guy was talking about how they they like permanently change their route for the year i mean it's been the last three years so they don't know when it's going to change again but until then <laughs> we're reaping the benefits yeah heck yeah so one one of my favorite pelagics is yellowtail man just something about that fish i'll, I'll put it down that's the pound for pound hardest fighting fish oh man i love I think in the ocean yeah i love them man i mean fun fun fighting and some of the best eating in my opinion Oh yeah, great eating, great fighting. I mean, I'm one of my favorite fishes in, in the ocean. Probably the favorite. I don't know, just because it's. I, I feel like it's such a California thing to go catch yellowtail. You know what I mean? It wasn't for a long time though, man. I know for years because I used to free dive, and it it slowed down, and you would you know you'd get lucky and catch them at Catalina uh, Pyramid, you know, on Clemente, and you know maybe Farnsworth Banks. But now, I mean, they're inshore again, and yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, the, I mean, the fishing this year has picked up tremendously. I'm, I'm <laughs> I didn't have my passport, which is the only reason I didn't go on a long range trip. But they um they slayed them this year, and the, they were catching three hundred pound bluefin in U.S. waters, and that's almost unheard of. Like cows in in U.S. waters. But anyway, yeah, that was uh, I missed out on that bite this year. That's for sure. I actually went out on I went out on Saturday and caught a bunch of like one pound rockfish. Yeah, I saw that. People were cl- kind of clowning there, talking about uh, oh, yeah. tacos. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was clowning on this too. I can't believe we kept those, but <laughs> yeah. But you know that's the that's the thing with the with the cattle boats, right? As you go out there, you spend you know sixty seventy five bucks. Um, you really want to keep anything you can, right? Pound for pound, that's just some expensive fish, man. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's what I, we were, I, I talk to my dad about it all the time when we go on a hunting trip. By the time we get done with gas, food, everything, and we're like, "Well, this is about twenty dollars a pound for the elk, right?" Easy. <laughs> Gear. Oh yeah, dude, it, it, it adds up quick. Heck yeah. 
gear. It's always time. Time off work. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I imagine that it's probably closer to a hundred dollars a pound, but hey, who's yeah, counting? Probably. Who's counting? <laughs> Not us. Like I said, we're obsessed. Yep. That's Just it. count the memories. <laughs> Trey, you can't put a price on those. No, definitely you can't. You can't. So Tyler, give us uh give us a little bit of that outdoor background, but well, I got my uh my hunting license. I think I was nine or ten or so when I first got it. And my uh my old man, you know, he was the one that kind of taught me and whatnot, but where he grew up it wasn't around the area at all. And, you know, growing up they weren't you know, super uh super wealthy people they were you know when they hunted it was for me it wasn't for trophy it wasn't for sport it was for me and so growing up it was kind of it was a learning process for him as well to really try to put in the time and the effort to kill good bucks and you know stuff like that and this area up here he never hunted it when he was younger so i mean he was trying to learn it we were all trying to learn it but you know as the years went on you know just exploring out further and you know, a lot of road hunting to begin with, just because we had no idea what we were doing. But uh, as as time went on, we started learning. I mean, I really, really got into it when I was, I want to say I was 15 or so. And uh, I got my little brother his first buck, took him out and got him on a buck. And ever since then, you know, that was, that right there was the defining moment for me. It kind of just sparked a fire inside me that could not be tamed. I end up getting, I have three younger siblings and I got all three of them, their first bucks. And that's really one of my biggest achievements just because, you no, know, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do, especially, you know, within some of the zones up here, you know, it's, you know, high population zones, but you know, people like to shoot the, the very first legal book they see. And so you don't get a whole lot of, whole lot of mature deer. I mean, and they, they, they just don't have time, but, you know, that's, that's a conversation for later on. Cause you know, I've, I've killed small bucks I have, and I'll never bash on anybody for the size that, you know, they take cause a trophy is a trophy in your eyes, you know? And, uh, like, you know, I've gotten, like I said, all my siblings, their first bucks. So then I put my dad on a few deer. I put friends on deer. You know, that's one of my, one of my favorite things to do is to get other people on bucks. You know, I feel just as much joy when they harvest one as if I was almost if I was killing it myself. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it, it really is. It really is a close second, right? I don't know. I don't Absolutely. know that I'll ever say that it's like taking my own, but there's definitely Absolutely. something it's, about putting somebody on an animal and being part of their sounds cliche as hell, part of their experience, part of their story with that. Absolutely. And that's, that's a good way to put it cliche or not. That is a great way to put it because you know, the the way, you know, they're not necessarily, even though, even if you put them on it, I mean, they're, it's almost like you're not there for a minute after they harvest that animal, you know, that they get to feel that excitement for themselves. And I think that's a, it's a big difference when you have somebody take you out or rather than when you have a guide take you out, because it's hard to feel like you're, like it's your doing and it's your excitement when you just paid seven grand to have somebody take you out and say, okay, shoot this deer right here, you know? So, so that, that's kind of, that's an interesting conversation, right? Because, um, DIY is a big thing, right? This is, you know, doing it myself. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna, 
<clears throat> in some instances, not all, I'm going to walk aimlessly through the mountains <laughs> and not get anything done. <laughs> um, and a lot of folks don't have the time, right? Or you get folks from, you know, the, the, the South or the Midwest or, you know, back East that want to come in, you know, Western hunt, if you will. Um, you know, and they're paying it. I don't know. I don't know if there's any less satisfaction in that, right? I mean, it's almost a smart call, especially for a first timer to have someone oh, either absolutely. mentor you or have someone guide you, um, you know, getting out there and maybe that connection. And maybe that's the difference, right? Is, is maybe the connection with family and friends um, makes it, a better experience. Well, I don't want to say better, right? That's kind of a screwed up word to use for it anyway. Um, but I think there's a lot, like I went on that uh, Catalina Island hunt last year and man, the way the guides are, you don't feel like it's just some dude that, you know, is, is taking your money. At least in my experience, I'm sure that there's those, but yeah, well, that's more, that's the, whole, uh, the whole experience is, I mean, they make you feel at home. That's part of the, the deal. You know what I mean? So they might feel like it's hunting with your buddies and all that. My, my cousin's a guy up in, in, in the Gila in New Mexico. And he just, he's just the most personable dude. It takes a certain kind of person to do that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I don't think they just, they just know how to hunt. And then they're, they just, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole like persona that they have. You know what I mean? That's some, <clears throat> and that's some hard ass work, man. It's customer service, oh, yeah. which is already difficult, Absolutely. right? And then it's customer service that someone's giving you seven grand, whatever the cost is, a thousand dollars, right? So people are holding you to a level or a standard, um, and there's an expectation that's probably greater. You know, what I mean, it's not like going and sitting at at the restaurant. So, yeah, it's not like going and sitting down in a restaurant, right, where your expectation is, you know, fair to Midland type. When they go out on these guided hunts, man, that's a that's a gig. And then it's a, you know, scouting, trying to make sure that depending on how many clients they're running, you know, getting out and scouting and making sure that uh, they know where the animals are at. That's that's some grind, man. I got a lot of oh, respect absolutely. for those guys. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't question that. I mean. I'm in the process right now. I've actually, I've got all the paperwork and everything to do it to, to get my license. But you know, the, the way I'm going to do it, it's not, you know, not really going to be my main moneymaker. I still have my job I'm going to go to, but I really want to get people who have no background in it, who just really want to get into it, but don't know where to start. And those are the kind of folks that I want to, I want to aim towards helping and, you know, not charge them seven grand, you know, basically, you know, it's like you pay for, pay for, you know, my time, you know, wearing tear on the vehicle to take us out, you know, getting out there, then we're going to put in work. You know, we're going to go to areas where I know there's deer, I know there's good bucks, but you know, I'm not just going to sit you on a hill and say, all right, deer's going to walk right here, shoot it. You know, we're going to, you're going to earn this deer. And I feel personally, I feel like that's a much, a much better accomplishment. And that's kind of, kind of not really where where I'm at, what I have against guys. I don't have anything against guys. I just think there's when you put in a lot of work and you, you know, you put, you put some hurting on them and you put blood, sweat and tears through that. It's going to feel like more of an accomplishment rather than you go out and I say, okay, we're going to go for this deer. And, you know, you go out to a spot and sure shit that deer or that elk or whatever stand right there. Yeah, that's uh <laughs> that's a rabbit hole of a conversation right there. <laughs> it, it, it really is. It really is. And like like I said, I don't want to 
bash on any guides because that is hard work and they put in hours upon hours. I know, you know, myself, not, it's not even my moneymaker and I've put in thousands of hours in the woods. And so with what they do, I give them full credit where it's due. And there's a lot that can be taken away from some of those dudes. If you're paying attention and I wonder, I wonder how many people actually pay attention and have some really good takeaway from it, right? Because of those expectations that are set because they're getting a five, six, $7,000 check, you know, depending on where and what they're hunting. Um, I don't know that people have their eyes open to it all because there's a lot you know, of takeaway, I, man. Well, I mean, people, that, really people, people that are looking to spend that much money, I don't think they're, it, I don't think that's, it, there's, don't get me wrong. There's people that save up 10 years and then go on a hunt like that. But I feel like the people that drop money on those tags already have the money to drop. So it's not really a, like an emotional experience like it is for us. Like we wait around three, four years for a, a decent hunt. You know what I mean? And, and these guys are just, oh yeah, I'm going to go hunting in Africa this week. What are you guys doing? You know what I mean? It, that's what I feel like when most of the hunts are, I don't think it's as, as <clears throat> they take away as much as we do. You're and, you know, people one thing off. Today, what was that? I said, you're pissing a whole bunch of people off right now. Well, that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and, 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 and another thing I look at is people, you know, like when you're hunting with a guy, to be a guide, you have to be extremely knowledgeable. You have to know what you're doing. You can't just bullshit your way around it. And a lot of guys, when they go out with them, you know, people I've talked to, I have a good buddy that's guiding. And, you know, a lot of people, they, they expect you to do all the work and they're not really paying attention to what you're doing, which blows my mind because you're basically getting free. Well, I, I don't want to say free, but you're getting lessons at your hunting. You know, that they're giving you tools you can use yourself. Exactly what I was saying, man. I don't know if their eyes are open to it, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and they're not. Yeah. And I, I really just think that people don't, they don't see it that way. They see it as, you know, I'm going to give you money. You're going to put me on an animal and that's that. Yeah, I hope I that's not the case. I, that that's a hell of a broad stroke. Um, I would no, not not everybody. Yeah, I, right. I guess that that was real. I, <laughs> it I would, sounded real bad. No, no, it didn't sound bad. But it, you know, it is. It's just a broad stroke, right? I mean, it's assumptions that we make with with varying aspects of the game, if you will. Um, yeah. But yeah, to not have your eyes open and seize the opportunity to gather years thousands of hours like you said of information in in moments with the guide um it, it almost seems like a waste to me man pick yeah. pick the seven, brain seven you know thousand dollar I mean? hunting lesson yeah i mean really i mean that's that's what you're paying for you're paying for the information you know because if you didn't need that you wouldn't need a guide you know, you're not really paying for the animal. You're paying for the information that's going to lead you to the animal. And of course, in that instance, you know, it's necessary for where you're at and what you're doing because you don't know. But in future references, you can take, you know, 100 percent of that information and use 50 percent of it for any big game across any state, you know, in the United States. If you're paying attention again. Yeah, have, if you guys you're paying attention. Of, have you heard of that? Uh, you had said you're you're paying for the information and I'm not sure where. But I've uh, there's guys that are selling, basically selling information on animals or locations, things like that. Have you guys heard or seen anything like that? Really? No, I, I have actually. That. Yeah, there's actually um, a lot of because there's there's a solid bighorn um, population right there in the Frisco River area where I hunt in the Gila, mm -hmm. and I've heard about guys selling 
selling those herd information that, that those are, those are state tags. You know what I mean? The, the once in a lifetime tags. So they, the, the bidding war for those is, is insane. <clears throat> See, to me, that's just crazy. <laughs> well, okay. So I think the same, right? But I know where you're going. So if you get that, you know, once in a lifetime, you got, you know, 25, 30 points built up. Do you get a guide or do you pay for that information, save a few bucks and go after it on your own? See, if I was putting in that much time and was really that that was my goal was to gain that tag after 25, 30 points, it's 25, 30 years. Personally, I can't speak it for everybody, but personally, I would want to know where those animals were at. If I knew that it was coming close to my year, if I had three years left, I would put in as much time required to be able to harvest that animal, you know, myself. Now there's guys that don't have time for that. Absolutely. And that, you know, it's kind of a catch 22, whether you pay for a guy, do you pay for information? And so, you know, I can't really speak for those guys, but personally I couldn't do it. Yeah. I don't think I, I would, I don't think I would pay somebody to drop a pin. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, then, a, that's another part of the experience. So you, you still, it, just cause it's a cherry hunt. Doesn't mean you don't want to experience the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you need to put in the work. <laughs> yeah, do you just want to walk up and shoot it on the on the hunt they paid for? That's not experiencing it. That's just in my mind killing. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's hunting, and then there's. I mean, show me where the herd is. That's kind of. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about it, like full on, right? Without having all the information, that's a that's a rough one. It is. <laughs> But, you know, I give props to the guys who do put in the time and do have do have the information to sell because that's absolutely an entrepreneurial mindset. I mean, they said, you know, I, I have what you want. What are you willing to pay for it? <laughs> I, so, I, I, mean, I think drug dealers do that, too. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't know. I guess you can call them entrepreneurs as well. I, I'd be curious <laughs> to know the legalities of it in, you know, whichever state. I'm not sure where it's going on. It's just something that I heard. And I'm be curious as far as the legalities. I'm sure there's nothing on paper. I'm sure it was, but, um, yeah, I, I just, I know one well, person, I got a little story. For this place called Turkey Creek. There's, there's a big herd in, <clears throat> in there. And, uh, he went to take, this is when he was like 20 years. This is 20 years ago. He was taking the piss over the side of a cliff, looked down, and there was a herd of bighorn sheep. <clears throat> he went and took his sidearm and shot at him, not knowing what he was doing. And he, he, he hit one. And uh, he got in trouble for it. But the, the reason he got in trouble was there was a, um, a guide watching the herd and saw him do that and came down and called the fishing game and then cracked him down. So that's, I mean, it's been going on for years. They just, even if they're not, the state's not paying you, there's people out there just stalking them. You know what I mean? So you opened up a can of worms right there. Cause that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Definitely> did. <laughs> well, it was. Uh, got in trouble for it, but. Um, not what <laughs> All right, yeah, so that, uh, he, I mean, he went out and he poached a, he poached a bighorn. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. Right. Yeah. So yeah, he should have had and, his balls cut off. Yeah, it was back. back yeah, back in the day when yeah, it just wasn't a big of a deal. But the, that was a big deal back then, still because it was a bighorn. Right. 
yeah, that's, uh, we we frown upon that shit. Yeah, back so, in the day or not. Anyway. I mean, and that was kind of rampant in in a lot. You hear a lot of old stories, man, and and you're going, you know, you're listening to it, and you li- like, you did what? What in the hell? But some of it just like you know, it wasn't. I don't think it was viewed like it is today. Not at all. You know, guys were unfortunately going out and filling tags and then some. And no, uh, it was a normal thing. Yeah, it was a normal thing, especially Silver City. I mean, people are going to be pissed off, but that's, I mean, that's still a problem there. I mean, the fishing games presence is better, but before you never, I've never even seen a game warden before about three years ago. And that's the unfortunate part, right? With with all the fish and game or fish and wildlife, is that it's typically underfunded in in most states to the point where they can't cover all the hundreds and thousands of acres and police us as we're out there. You know, um, well, look at these guys. These guys are biologists. That's what they're. I mean, they're basically biologists. I know in New Mexico you have to have a biology degree too be a fishing game warden so it's it's just like a scientist that with a gun like that's what way i consider it and they just there's not enough people all year round to, to fund it you're right that the funding is lacking big time yeah I and mean, they got so, a fight how, on their hands yeah exactly so it's just bottom line do the right thing but <laughs> that's, it. that's what it amounts know, to but you know in another sense do. I, I also think that you know it, it is it is underfunded, but I think the amount of ethical hunters versus the amount of unethical hunters is a major difference. I think there's more good folks than there is bad folks. I think fishing game is one thing that you really don't want them or not, not don't want them, but don't need them, you know, every five miles checking tags, checking guns, because most folks do go by the book on the big issues. But do we really know? Right. Because, I mean, if you look at the realm of social media, I'm sure there's a few morons that are out there poaching that are posting this stuff. But generally speaking, I don't think a guy that's out there, you know, doing dirt, if you will, is I would hope that he's smart enough to, you know, keep that shit away from the Internet. Um, Because I like you're saying, there's a lot of good, a lot of good folks. And, I, you know, they would eat his ass alive. Absolutely. I mean, you heard about those kids. uh I want to say it was last year they ended up killing like dozens of deer, just shooting tons of them somewhere down south, like Alabama or Arkansas or something. And nobody had any idea at all until they started posting on social media. Uh, then they started, then they found out the actual head count that they got. I mean, they got day books thrown at them for that one. That's yeah, just, you know, I've actually seen cases where they they caught him from posting on social media. Somebody turned him in. Like you, it's just the way it, um, uh, turn yourself in, pretty much. Just stuff your own cuffs on. Like what? Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. I it's mean, forever. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for as for as ethical as we all are, and for as much work as we all put in, and for the time and money and time away from families, time away from work. Then you get some assholes that go out that don't care about any of that. We already have an uphill battle, you know, for keeping our our privilege, our right to hunt. Um, we're already fighting everything else. Why do we want to fight them jackasses, you know? Like fighting ourselves, but just the... Yeah, the, 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 the bad seed. I want to... I, I would... 
I want all of them to post. I welcome them to post, right? Get your yeah, ass yeah, out exactly, of the woods. Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, that's the guy you know, that's, that's going to shoot at the brush moving and, and you're sitting on the other side of that brush and he's just going to shoot because he heard or saw something barely move. You know, that's the guys yeah, that don't need to be the out thing, there. Like having to wear orange for rifle season in California. You know, if you're rifling, you have to wear orange. And to personally, that just blows my mind. Like it's a state law that you have to wear orange when you're rifle hunting because people are idiots. They don't pay attention. So I was out. I think my boy was, I'm going to say he was nine or 10 and took him out with me on rifle opener, um, went locally about an hour and a half from home and going up the mountain road. I said, okay, here's a spot that I've seen deer in. We pull over and I kid you not, I heard, I'm going to say nine to nine to 12 rounds go off, right? All within this Canyon. So I told him, sit in the passenger seat. I'm standing in front of him. I'm glassing this ridge down in this draw. And uh, across the ridge top, I'm, I think this thing was probably, it's all an exaggeration, right? When in hindsight, it was probably like a half a mile right long there's four guys on the top and i hear shots from down below so i'm just glassing everywhere glass and glass man i counted something like 13 orange vest and hats all within this i don't know man i'm gonna say quarter mile half mile and they were above each other below each other and just i mean rounds were that was the last opener i went to I was I was done with them after that, man. It was ridiculous. It was it's you know. Terrifying. Were they, were they oh, all God. working the same ridge together? Or was no, it they. Just it, a bunch of I mean, hunters? I I don't know. I'm glassing them from you know from an uh, across the road, and it just it seemed like it was just random dudes. You know, one guy sitting behind a bush, and you could hear him popping off rounds. There's a guy below him, so he's apparently shooting over that guy at whatever. Guys up on top, and it was a shit show, man. It was an absolute. Sh- absolute shit show it was ridiculous but i'll i will not absolutely will not touch rifle opener yeah i don't know i got i got first year rifle in, in the Gila this year and uh it's not too bad out there we got i mean i was telling tyler the other day the other um last deer opener i went to i um i didn't see anyone on the mountain then came around the corner and some dude's taking a shit in the bush so you never know when you're gonna see someone but uh yeah, out there, it's not, it's not quite California. <laughs> and, you know, and, and a big thing about California hunting, up here at least, I've learned, is you get a lot of folks that don't want to put in work. So you get a half mile to a mile off the road, and you're not going to see nobody. You know, you can guarantee you're going to be alone. And then that's just because there's so much access from the roads. You know, we've got logging roads anywhere you look. I mean, you throw up a map and look at the logging roads and it's it's insane you know you can't go more than a quarter mile without finding one in certain spots and so on you know on one hand it's like you know you get a lot of a lot of guys just straight road hunting which sucks because of course you're going to see a little fork and horn sitting there 30 yards off the road blasting throwing your pickup but on the other hand if you're a guy that's willing to put in some work and a little bit of miles on your boots you're going to get into the bigger deer and there's been some nice big deer this year, man. Whew. Oh, absolutely. All that on the Arizona Strip? Jesus. Craziness. It seems like I've it's everywhere. Like Is it? I, I don't know. I just seen a couple bucks. It was a good year. In the Arizona Strip, and I was like, man, that, that really is a, 
Well, you know, I think it has a lot to do with having a pretty mild winter and a very wet spring. Yeah, I'd agree. But man, what a year. <laughs> Who cares the reason? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> exactly. I've seen more. I've seen more rack this year that was just like, oh my God. I mean, here, I mean, you're talking, I'm, you know, I'm LA basin. I'm hunting three and a half hours north of my, you know, of where I live and uh, glassing up, you know, 13, 14, 15 bucks at a time in, in bachelor groups in that early archery season and just really phenomenal deer, man. Just impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen, seen a lot of good, a good deer up here, you know, uh, I probably caught, I think I was at like 40 something deer by the time season started between scouting and cams and stuff. And a lot of them, I mean, even, even the young two year olds had, you know, good racks on them that just for blacktail were too big for their body. And I firmly believe that that has a lot to do with the amount of water we've had. You know, I think that can definitely, you know, make deer score 10, 10, 15 inches higher, you know, into like crazy cases if they have water. So cool boys. Why don't we, uh, let's talk about, uh, gnarly racks. Yeah, Give us a it. little bit of the all who, right. what, when, and why, and all that good stuff with that. All right. So, well, Tyler and I met on a fishing boat that, uh, my buddy actually owns up in Northern California, Maddie's guide service. Uh, so I, I, uh, booked a trip and then, so we had a shitty Saturday. So, um, Matt was like, Hey, I'm going to see if these guys are cool with you guys coming on the boat on Sunday to try to get, get your fish count up. And, uh, Tyler and his buddies ended up being on the boat and shot the shit, drank beer. Him, I, him and I ended up exchanging numbers and, and talking about hunting. And I wanted to hunt NorCal. He wanted to hunt New Mexico. So we just kept the friendship going and, um, we'd have a conversation here or there. And then it all of a sudden came to let's have, I mean, you want to start an Instagram and it was, it just kind of went from there ever since then it's been moving real quick. Yeah. The, once the ball got rolling, it was just rolling. I mean, we haven't really made any crazy decisions. Everything just kind of for, you know, after we started, it just kind of fell on our lap more or less. Like we just, I mean, it sounds stupid, but we just started selling koozies and Tyler's selling the shit out of them. Like I, I never thought, Koozies would be going that quick, you know yeah, what I mean? Hell buys it's a koozie. It'll be sick to have on our fishing trip because I'm going up there next week. So, and then and the people ended up, and we almost sold out the first batch, and uh, we did sell out. Oh, we did, we did that. Yeah, dude, I have I have six koozies left out of eighty. Well, that's I mean, just to, I mean, just from my point of view, I never thought that we would sell eighty koozies. You know what I mean? No, that's just, that's just, uh, that's just come like, I mean, I I don't know, like when we make t-shirts and hats and stuff, I don't know how that's going to go, but I mean, it's going well so far. So, and I don't know. I mean, just, (laughs) I'm still still laughing about the koozies, man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, so what's behind it? What, what, it what made you guys start it? Excuse me. What's the reason behind gnarly racks? Honest to God, both of us just love the outdoors. And him and I would have, like I said, we'd have maybe like a weekly, monthly conversation before we started really getting serious about it. But we would talk like on social media every day about just send each other stupid videos and shit like that. And we never, I, I never, I, I was thinking about, because I really got like, 
I don't know, one day I got the fire up under my ass and I was like, Hey, I'm going to start a hunting company. And then Tyler was like, all right, dude, let's do it. And he came up with the name and we just, I mean, it was just a love for the outdoors. Like you said, we're really community like oriented. It's it's about getting everyone involved. And I mean, that's how I grew up. Everyone was involved. Once we, like, once we down to deer, I mean, when I was younger, so like, I, I don't know, getting, getting people involved is something that we talked about too. And, you know, and like, you know, Nick said earlier, uh, definitely networking, meeting people. I mean, we, we met a guy, uh, the other day for our page and we're already, we're talking about going, you know, on a five day Utah DIY hunt next year, you know, for meeting this guy. And it's just stuff like that. I've talked to a guy who's, you know, going back and forth with him who is in Alaska right now hunting caribou. And, you know, just meeting guys like that, you know, with the same like-mindedness of the love for the outdoors, it's, it's really cool. And, you know, seeing people and also it's, it's awesome seeing your brand and your logo out there on somebody with a koozie. You know, we had a, <laughs> we, we had a local fair this weekend and there was people who had no idea who I was, but they had my koozie. And, you know, and ju- just seeing that out there, just getting our name out there is, is really awesome. And meeting people who aren't guys who have to save up to do these hunts. You can't just, you know, get sponsored by Under Armour or Sitka and go do these crazy hunts. So they have to work for it. And, you know, that's kind of that the people we like to congregate with is guys that, that don't just have the money to drop or who get paid to do it. Guys who have to, who have a regular job, you have to plan for it. You know? Blue collar exactly. hunters, man. Exactly. All the way. I mean, that's a, and I say it all the time on the podcast. That's the majority of the hunting demographic, in my opinion. Um, Absolutely. Oh, I agree. So, so talk about community a little bit with that, right? What, uh, what's important to you guys um, in that community? Are you looking to do something in particular, or is it uh, just something to have fun with and sell koozies right now? Uh, right now I'd have to say, you know, like I've got, I've got a few, uh, ideas in mind where I'd like to take it, but you know, nothing set in stone. I like, I like where it's going by itself. We're just doing our thing. We're doing posts. We're interacting with people. We're having good conversations. And so I don't really have a, a hard agenda just because I, li- I like what we're doing. You know, I don't like, that's not like, Oh, by 2025, I want to have a hundred thousand in the bank of hats. <laughs> you know, it's, more or less just, you know, we're talking to people, we're meeting folks, you know, we're talking about hunting other states and bringing people down here to hunt with us. And that's really our, our main goal right now is just making friends, more or less. I love making friends. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Tyler 100% on that. Uh, I never, never thought it was going to be a business model. Like, you know, it's just, it, it never occurred to me that this is going to work where we're going to make our millions, but it was just about networking and friends. Like, exactly. Sharing, this sharing community, in that community passion. we have is so, go ahead. I just said sharing in the passion of the outdoors and hunting. Exactly. Our community is small as it is. You know what I mean? So to keep it a little bit tighter, I mean, that's, that's part of the goal too. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, I feel like there's a lot of well, there, there is a lot of negative connotation when it comes to hunting, but we like, I just feel we have to stick together and this is kind of a way to, and to share your love of it too, and not be shunned. Like <clears throat> I wore my, uh, my mountain project shirt the other day and it has the, the elk and it's got each cut of the elk. And some lady told me I was a horrible person. And I said, what? 
where does like, where does your meat come from, lady? You know what I mean? But she didn't know what I had to go, go through to get my last elk. You know what I mean? It's a much cleaner place than she got her cow. Isn't that a weird yeah, outlook? Yeah. That's a weird ass outlook, man. I don't care how you shake a stick at it, how you try and how, you know, someone tries to spin that. That is just the strangest outlook where someone can be so judgmental. Now, if it's a if it's a vegan and they're saying, hey, I don't I'm not doing none of that. I will not partake in any of it. At least I can give them a little bit of credit for being hard stanced, right? For digging their heels in on something they believe. I got to respect that to a point. I may not agree with it, but I got to respect it. But oh, for sure, for someone to go, you're probably in a goddamn grocery store when she did it. it you know what yeah, I mean? You're going to go buy your steak. Place. You're going to go buy your turkey. You're going to go buy your chicken. But here I am doing this with my own hands and you have a problem with it because you feel like your hands are clean of it. I, I I will never, ever understand that. I just don't get it, man. Yeah, I want to, you know, and, and what's crazy is, you know, they they like to bash us for doing that. But it's like, when's the last time you had an emotional connection with a steak on your plate? Never. You know, exactly. It's like, I, I, <laughs> I can't tell you the last steak. time I did. It's the last time I ate a deer steak. You know, it's like I was I was there, you know, we, I had that, that intimate moment with that deer that, you know, I harvested, you know, I, as I'm eating them, I have respect for them. I guarantee you, you have no respect for that animal that, you know, that slab of steak you got on your plate right now. Well, you know what, what I always think of, right. Is, is you ever overcook your venison or your elk or burn it? You're going to try yeah. and trim off every piece of char. <laughs> you will soak that son of a bitch in A1 sauce, barbecue sauce, whatever it is, and figure out. About yeah, you're going to figure out how to eat it. But if you go and you buy that porterhouse or that T-bone at the store and you burn that son of a bitch, you'll try a little bit, but you'll end up throwing it away. <laughs> Yep. Right. So, the, so, the, so as a matter of fact, I had some, I had some, um, leftover. So I had some sausage left in the, uh, in the freezer and I, I don't know if it was my drunk ass or my roommate, but he left the freezer door open a little bit and everything defrosted. And so <laughs> I got a call here, hey, hey, the freezer defrosted. And I'm like, Oh shit. Did you not, you didn't throw away the deer sausage. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Right. You're going to do <laughs> like, whatever. Wait, that's what yeah. you care about. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's all Hell I care yes. about. My ground elk. <laughs> you will, you will so risk all kind of salmonellas and E. coli's and bubble guts, <laughs> man. <laughs> but just to tie it back to that emotional connection with with what you kill, I mean. How can you be judgmental? You're willing to throw away half of that steak or you're watching your your girlish figure and you're going to eat, you know, three bites and you're OK with it sitting in the fridge and, you know, in the bag or the Tupperware and going bad. and You're going to waste it. We yep. the, the people that I know will absolutely not waste their wild game. The, the animals no, that they kill, that shit could go bad, man. It will be freezer burned and I will, sh- I'll brine the hell out of that. <laughs> Dude, I had a freezer burnt shoulder steak the other that's night. That's it, I don't man. Care. Yep, that's it. Uh, Even yeah. when it's freezer burned. <laughs> don't matter. Something died for that. Yeah, I just I don't know, man, that that whole stance that people take, um, 
you know, will say because they can't pull the trigger, they think that they're they're clean of it somehow. Yeah, uh, somehow better than we are because they don't because they don't personally do it. Which you know, it like I said, it, it blows my mind. It really does. Because how, how do you and any other thing? Ah, it's actually. And anything else, when, when you do something yourself, you feel better because of it. Whether it be fixing your pickup or painting your house or whatever, whatever you want to put in that situation, you feel better when you do it yourself. It's more of an accomplishment. Yeah, so why is it any different when you harvest your own meat? Yeah, you're vested. Oh, they don't, you know, they, they've never partaken, right? And then I've had the conversation. Matter of fact, I just had the conversation with a guy at work uh, beginning of last week. And it was actually a really good conversation. Um, and he had, you know, he had some skewed views of, of hunting. Um, and then he started talking about, you know, uh, trophy hunting in Africa is how he put it. You know, well, the trophy hunting in Africa. So we even had that conversation. And then he came back. Which is back. crazy. Why does it always come back to Africa? Well, because people don't understand it, right? So, you know, that's that's the way it's portrayed. Because the guy from Jimmy John's that they know on TV. Right. It's the way it's portrayed. Donald, Donald Trump Jr. does it. So it's, it's all portrayed. Exactly. The portrayal of Africa hunting is, I, I mean, I, that's the one thing I, I would never spend that much money, but in the same aspect, all I hear is good things is happening. You know, hunters going over there and spending their it really, money. It really isn't that expensive. No, it, it's really not. You can, you can go to Africa for five, six, seven grand. Um, but you can go on a stone sheep hunt here for 20 to 40. That's yeah, that's insane. Right. So True. yeah, Africa's not uh, a friend of mine actually asked me to look at it and, you know, see if I had any interest in going with them in a year or so. And uh, man, I started looking and I was like, dang. And the only thing with it for me is I can't figure out what outside of a warthog, what I would want to shoot. There's something about a warthog, man. Just big, nasty tusk and then just a warty, oh, nasty, God. lumped up ass face. I think I that's a no, cool animal. I had no desire to hunt any African animal until I drew that oryx tag. And I hunted those animals and that was, I mean, game over for me. I'd love to hunt a sable now. I want to, half of the stuff I can get in, in Texas, but, <laughs> um, but that, that oryx kill was, that was a, that was a meaningful, that was, I mean, it, Granted, it was on White Sands Missile Range once in a lifetime hunt, um, but it was it was really meaningful. I mean, that that animal is a cool animal, and they're they're mean as hell too because you can't they tell you don't walk up on them if, you, if they're wounded. Don't they'll, they'll gore you. I saw one with a coyote hanging off of his horns, <laughs> oh, running shit. by, and then in in the pamphlet they, you got to pass a background check to get on the on the base. So I this is the story I heard. They took him from Africa in the fifties, put them on white sands. They started breeding like rabbits cause they don't have a breeding season and now you can hunt them. So once in a lifetime hunt on range, got to wear orange. <clears throat> so I drew that first time I, I put it in for orcs and it was, I mean, I got a 38 and three quarter inch on one side and broken on the other. And it was probably my most memorable kill. I got it amounted cost me 1200 bucks, but it was well worth it. That's so that got me turned on to Africa hunting. Like I actually wouldn't bat an eye at it before. And now I'm like all about it. I would love to. Yeah. I got to yeah, figure you know, that one out. I, I would, but it's definitely going, going over there. I have, you know, I have a few animals that are higher up on my bucket list before I'd even think about that. 
Oh yeah, North America. This is the thing. People ask where I want to go for my vacation. I say Montana or Wyoming. Yeah, when people are like yeah, Turks buddy. and Caicos, or I want to go to Cabo. Nope. I'm like, no, I'm gonna go to the Rockies. What the hell that's are you talking it. about? Hell yeah. Right. So <laughs> no that's, desire. I mean, that's the hunter in me. Yeah, I have no desire to leave this country. We got plenty of animals to hunt here. I don't have to leave yet, just yet. So I mean, I, I've got I've got one bull under my belt, and we got one this last year. I want to get I want to get a 300 class bull, and that's that's my goal right now. We're gonna do it next year. We're gonna get. We're gonna put two three hundred class bulls down on a DIY hunt. Are you guys? Are you guys hunting elk this year? I, I am not. I only drew a deer tag and same with Tyler. So I tried to get my my little brothers. Uh, there's there's some uh, opportunities to get leftover tags in New Mexico, but my little brothers didn't jump the chance. So we missed out on the elk meet this year. But uh, I mean, it's only four hundred dollars to go on a like a private land elk hunt for a cow. So just to get the meat, but still you got to pay for gas and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to out this year. Well, you guys, you're not hunting elk this year. We're going to end the podcast here right now. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, <laughs> if you're not hunting elk, man, I don't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. If, if you've ever lived, if you live in California, you should know how hard it is to draw an elk tag. It takes I'm, 17 years. I, well, I'm, that's well, where I'm at, buddy. This is the first year I haven't. All right. So this is the first year I haven't drawn an elk tag. And uh, every year we draw no matter what, between the family, everyone draws a tag. So this year, I'm the only one that the whole family draw a tag, and it was just one deer tag. So last year, we got two two bulls. Uh, my brother got a bull. I missed mine. Well, I hit him, but I missed him. And uh, this year, we're, we got jack shit. So, I mean, it just depends. Like, with, well, California's an awful state to try to elk hunt. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, you know, with the points, I, I want to say I have 17. Now I didn't put in, I just put in for a point this year, um, because I was focused on out of state. Um, but I think, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I think I might put in for it next year and yeah, try and get that two max points. Try and get that, that two. That's, that's just two right there in central, right? Yeah. Right there. Out there's of no, Bishop. there's yeah. no Rocky Mountain up the corner or anything like that. Yeah. Well, we that's have Rockies a, too. Seen the, um, oh, there is Rockies. Yeah. We have Rockies too. Yeah, we actually that's like we have uh, all all elk species here in California, don't we? I thought that there was rosies up in the top. Rosies, yeah, rosies coastal, northern coastal. You have your rosies and you have your rockies, and then you have the the tool. Well, that's interesting. In, in the hardest state to draw a tag, you got all three species, but the species numbers are very low. Oh yeah, well. That, which is well, it didn't which seem is, like it when I drove past him last time on my way to up to Bishop. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it when he got a thousand <laughs> crossing the road making you wait. Yeah. <laughs> Pissed off, I can't get a tag. I've been there. <laughs> hey guy, what do you what do you got going on in Colorado right now? Just going on a just going on a DIY. I like saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do we. <laughs> just archery elk, man. Just uh just going to go after it for about three weeks and see if we can't uh, seal the deal, fill a couple tags, man. Well, I mean, if you've got three weeks, you better get something down. Well, the, so, okay, yeah, there's uh, you're going to start that shit, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with it, right, is is you, 
is you drive in is you're driving 800 miles um i was able to go and scout the area had a couple cams hung up in you know had a buddy hang up and it's still it's a rough one right i mean that's your expectation you, you're like hey i'm oh, going absolutely. to get this done but as the days draw closer we leave in a few days it uh the realization of fuck i can come home empty-handed really starts to settle in oh absolutely definitely not what i want to do i call it the third the third day panic because on rifle hunts are usually five days so once you hit that third day you get that oh shit like the next thing i see with horns is i'm gonna shoot (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's i mean i've never i've always hunted up you know local you know the a couple of good X zone, C zone. And so it's, I've never really had that, you know, out of state DIY, you know, no idea you're going to pack in and you're going to give her hell. And so this next year, when we go to Utah, that's pretty much going to be what it is. And I'm really excited. But then again, you know, part of you is always nervous that, well, shit, what if I do come home and empty handed, you know, right. it's a rough this- one, man. It's a rough one. <laughs> it is, but you know, we wouldn't do it any other way. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, you spend out of state tags. I mean, generally speaking, are about six hundred bucks. Time off yeah. of work, you know, three four hundred dollars in gas for a two way trip and everything else that goes into it. So you're looking at a you know twelve thirteen fourteen hundred dollar venture. Uh, it's a big pill to swallow, man. Especially when you got the wife at home and yep. uh, your ass walks through that door after being gone for a week or so, empty handed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All for nothing. <laughs> that's how they see it but it really yep. it really isn't all for nothing you know no the experiences alone you know you, you can't yeah. put a price on it no well they no, can't that, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's something else it is something else man i mean you can't you can't put a hand on it and and a lot of times you walk away from it sometimes well i don't know i got a lot of pressure i feel like a lot of self-inflicted pressure on this one um just because of my Wyoming trip last year and then having having my boy go out and wanting to fill his tag. This is his last year on a youth license. Okay. So, wanting, you know, trying to fill trying to fill two punch, two bull tags is going to be something else, man. It's going to be oh, a yeah. grind, but it can be done. Yeah, we're going to we're going to give her hell. That's for sure. We are going to give her hell. So what are you guys, what are you guys taking off every weekend? I don't, I, I don't understand. You guys are taking off every weekend, going there, hunting, and then coming back? No, hell no. We go uh, – <clears throat> so my deer season, that's how it works, you know, here at home. But for that one, we leave in a week. And uh, once we step foot in the woods, man, we're there till it uh, season closes. Oh, you're there for three weeks? Yeah. Oh, my God. If that's you're what t- it takes. Yeah, exactly. Now, what, what kind of preparation does that take? you know, the difference, cause three weeks is a whole lot different than a five day hunt. What's the, what's the difference in preparation for that big of a hunt size of the pack. <laughs> That's really what it amounts to, to be honest with you. It really is right. Because your, your gear doesn't change. Your gear is the same. You might take, you know, of uh, like socks are a huge one for me. Um, I got to have good socks. I got to have clean socks. Got to have dry socks. So I'll probably take more socks than I'll take draws. Um, I wash the draws in the crick on a, on a fly, you know, um, <laughs> but then it's just, it's just a matter of, you know, do you have a water source, you know, where the water sources is, you know, are at, and then how much food are you going to consume? So your caloric intake, <clears throat> if you're going to perform for, you know, 12, 13, 14 days, 
you got to know what your calories are and, and how you're you know going to work those calories throughout uh, every day and ration yourself um, appropriately. You know, that that really is nothing, nothing but pack size, calories and water, man, really change between, you know, that that three to five day to those extended two, three weeks, in my opinion. So well, what, what's your pack weight going in? Right now, I'm sitting at about 50, I think it was at 52 pounds, but I'm not like a serious weigher. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to pack yeah. what I need to pack. Um, I can do comfortably, I can do about 65 pounds, no problem. Um, so I'm not, I'm not so worried, so much worried about that. I'm not a, you know, a, a yeah, freaking ultra light like, guy. Oh yeah, pack ins 120 for three weeks or something crazy. No, we got to, we have some good water sources. There's, there's several springs. So the water's not going to be an issue. And then I'm a, a Nazi with my food and, and the, <laughs> caloric intake when it comes to performance right because if you don't do that right you suffer either you suffer with the bubble gut or you suffer on the mountain because you can't perform right i mean there's there's just it's like six in one hand half a dozen in the other so for me it's been months of figuring out where the calories need to be for the performance and i got that dialed in so yeah it should be a a no-brainer well that's awesome that's a that's a long hunt. That's a long time in the woods. That Man, is. That's almost I, I mean, a month in the hunts. That that I mean. So what? Oh, it's magic scenario. Say you guys kill both the first day. Are you coming out that day? Or are you sitting in there barbecuing no, we'll, elk the rest of that time? What? Well, no, we'll stay. We'll probably you know just enjoy it for you know three four days and and roll out. Um, you know, maybe, maybe go check something, you know, I don't know, go check something else out or see if there's another OTC tag we can grab. Well, you're passing through Utah, Arizona, Nevada, you know what I mean? If you, yeah. in my opinion, if I was able to do something that fast and we had room in the vehicle, then, you know, let's go. Pick up and go. That's, I love that mindset. Well, here's the thing. I, I've never, I've never bow hunted. I've been on bow hunts and I've, seen enough deer kill with a bow but i've never bow hunt i never killed anything with i'm strictly rifle so this is going to be an experience for me too because i mean i got enough time to train with the bow and all that but this is it's a completely different type of hunting you know what i mean but let me tell you what i can't smell you taking an animal with a bow is a whole nother world from taking one with a rifle that's what i keep hearing yeah, there's people that would argue that though. There's I I tell you a guy that hunts late season post rut with a rifle and has to work his ass off but kills absolute giants every single year. Every single you know, year. And then that's one well, of those things, you know, you you always get those one guys, you know, there's when it comes to hunting you have a, a lot of middle ground for rifle and you have a lot of middle ground with bow. That's always, but there's always those extremists on, on either end. I'll you know, tell you what, like, the, the only rifle hunt that I've had that was easy was that orc hunt. It was just memorable. It was easy because I was taking a nap and my dad called us and he was talking shit. Why hasn't he shot one? Why hasn't he seen one? And then I look up from taking a nap. My brother's driving the truck and I see a herd of them running. Get out of the truck and count 30 steps off the, <laughs> off the road and yeah, we're good. That's, 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 yeah, that was the easiest, but all the other hunts I've had, rifle or not, they've been, I mean, we've worked our asses off. 
this last elk hunt this last november i've never worked so hard for somebody else's fucking elk meat than i have for this hunt <laughs> he pulled it out of the, the deepest canyon he could have picked in the whole valley and um it was it, i mean it tasted that much better when we got back but it wasn't my elk. And and that was something we put my, I put him on that elk. And he, another thing you guys were talking about earlier with the guiding thing, like it was a different experience watching him shoot it and how pumped up he got. Like I took something from that as well. Heck yeah. But, that, yeah. There's, that's one of the best feelings in the woods, man. I, I can't, I can't even BS it. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, not even, he's not even the biggest hunter in the family. Like my other little brother is, I've got two little um, half brothers and then a, a stepbrother. And my youngest one is the, is the hunter. He's all into it, but it was the, the middle one that, that shot it. And he's not too into it, but he'll go. And he shot it, and he's hooked now. He's, there's, he, there's no turning back for him. Good. Keep him, keep him in it. Oh, yeah. So we talking, started talking about that archery experience, man. And there's something. Like, I'll, I'll hunt. I don't care. I'll I'll shoot a muzzle loader. I'll shoot a rifle. I don't. I really don't care, man. Um, but there is something about archery elk in the rut that is that has got me wrapped. I mean, around its finger, like you wouldn't believe, man. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's next level. It is next level to watch them frickers just. Oh man, they come in just pissed off and ready to fight or looking for that cow just bugling right in front of you, man, is just oh god dang it. Well that's that, that's the thing. Like that the whole experience. Even I, I feel like you like can feel the ground shake when they bugle within a hundred yards of you. It's insane the feeling of I, I just any experience, the smell that you you're right, hundred percent right. But I mean I imagine the sound was better on a, a, my last my last uh, elk hunt from my bull that I got last time was um, during the rut. We actually, the rut went into the rifle season. So I got a little taste of that, <clears throat> that like mid rut. And it was, it was intense. I co- and um, yeah, and I know it's, it's enough to, to make you go nuts. Spend a couple thousand dollars and drive to Colorado, right? <laughs> <laughs> a couple thousand, geez. <laughs> low budget oh man i had to gear up my boy um yeah it was an ex this is an expensive season for me i mean i had to gear him up from scratch right i mean this dude is uh outgrown everything he had so it was a to z man all you know everything i could so that's yeah that's i was looking into that this year because i you know i've got what i need for up here during bow season up here it's hot you know Average day is like eighty-eight five. All of my camo, I I uh, use a speed camo, you know, hot weather camo. So it's you know virtually nothing. But looking into you know stuff like that, you know, doing our this hunt next year, I was talking to the guy. I said it could be eighty or it could be snowing. You never know. And so you know, I'm looking into fully outfitting myself, you know, from head to toe, and it's it's not cheap. No, but there's you know, you know there's a lot of. There's a lot of good gear that you can find at a good price point, man. And and that's one of the things that I, I thank God for the podcast. Thank God for the connections I've made. I, my boy's wearing uh one rate 
<clears throat> camo um and the owner there joel was nice enough to to help help a brother out <laughs> uh, great great quality in the camo um and we did what i did is a, a mid-season to late season combo um and oh, just okay. kind of layered him that way um so if we do get those temperature extremes where, you know, he's able to stay comfortable um, in either, right? He could shed or or put layers on. So, I mean, definitely Absolutely. a plus. But, yeah, there's a lot of – I mean, you got one rate. You got Scree. I mean, there's just uh, Numa. There's just so many – different brands out there you know i mean we always look at you know first light kuyu sick that's like the call them the top three i guess that people start talking about but there's a yep, ton absolutely. of companies out there man that have great quality um at a, at a really good price point even without the hook a brother up discount <laughs> <laughs> those are always better man i tell you well, and what's crazy to me is, you know, the, the, the price of camo, like, you know, like you can, you go get a shirt that's 20 bucks, but you get a shirt that looks exactly the same, but it's got that sicker print on it. And suddenly it goes from 20 to 180, you know, then it's yeah. like, I know you guys aren't using golden thread, <laughs> man. I'm the golden thread buying son of a bitch, man. Cause that's what I got. <laughs> yeah, <so am> I. <laughs> that's what I got, man, is I, I run sick and I got to agree though. And I've said it a few times, man, is it's getting to the point where I'm considering if I have to, I'm, I'm trying to do an archery, a barren plane caribou next year. And uh-huh. I'm going to have to grab some gear. I love Sika. I've been in it for a long time, but man, the price point seems like it's unfreaking realistic at this point. It, it's just, it's crazy, especially with, like I said, with some of the smaller competitors that are offering quality gear at a fraction of the price. I mean, that sounded like a goddamn uh, pitch there, but. But it's it's real. Oh, it's I mean, insane, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got. In New Mexico, we don't have. I mean, it's it dropped below. We had snow the whole trip, and we were we were fine because we. I mean, when we hike in, we hike in. So we're hiking in five six miles. You know what I mean? But luckily, we got this last bowl within <clears throat> six miles. My buddy's uncle. Hiked in eight miles, big old, big old fat guy got stuck back there. This is, I don't know if it's true or not, but he, they said he had to sleep in the carcass and the, and the guide went out that night and came back and got him. Like, I, I don't know if that's true, but I, anyway, having the, the right gear, I mean, that's a testament to it. Like we, you never think in, in October in New Mexico, you're going to be having 25 below. You know what I mean? I've never, I've never had snow like that in my life. And then two years ago on Turkey, a turkey hunt i had a <laughs> sitting out there in the woods and just start snow start falling like it's you never know that that forest is so unpredictable that you just have to be ready for anything yeah, so i'm, really I'm just back to what i was saying is i i've never bought anything over 90 dollars camo we're used to oh shit you don't have any camo go to the store i think the walmart's having a sale on camo shirts so you go grab a camo shirt and you just rock your jeans and your boots <laughs> Yeah, sure. that was that was the scenario for years. But you walk around in those jeans and they get wet, man. Morning dew, and that shit's miserable. 
Yeah, it's miserable, man. And then you start be chafed by nine a.m. Yeah, you start putting miles in on on those cheap, you know, thirty dollar boots with some some champion socks, man. And yeah, it uh, (laughs) it'll teach you a little bit. (laughs) Oh yeah, this last one taught me a lot, and I had some nice pants, and it still was colder than a mother. You know what I mean? And it was, and we're we're talking. It didn't break like the whole trip. And it just, it just taught me a lesson, a big, valuable lesson about, especially weather, weather in your boots. That was a big thing. Cause my <laughs> having to weather them in the middle of a fucking hunting trip was not a good thing. <laughs> that was a, that was a fool's mistake there. That you can't blame the boots. Um, well, <laughs> no, no, that was me. That was me. It's more than just punching tags, right? I mean, that's that's a lot of what I hear, guys. Um, you know, you guys started this venture together, um, just kind of sharing in the passion. What uh, what should we be looking out for? What do you guys got coming up? Well, I mean, we got. Uh, I know for merch wise, we got some stuff coming. Our next setup's going to be hats. Well, hopefully, we're going to get those coming within the month. And uh, content-wise, you know, we got a uh, – we don't have a whole lot for the rest of the year except for deer hunt in New Mexico, but we got that big – we got that elk hunt next year, and that's probably going to be our first actual uh, video. Spring you know, we're, probably. Yeah, we're going to do the full nine and bring the break the camera out and really try to make a good quality uh, video for that and kind of use that as a baseline and – for videos and start going from there because you know i know watching videos on youtube or whatever you're sitting at work and bored and you want to see something cool you know it's it's awesome to see other guys successful and we really want to get into doing that as well so okay so i'm gonna challenge you a little bit on that one all right a lot of what we see doesn't tell the whole story right not a, a even lot, a little bit a lot of what we see is what i like to say is highlight reels absolutely what the is going to make you guys stand out if that's what we're seeing more of the hard part <laughs> is exactly you know that we're not going to show what it, what it looks like from the top of the mountain you know we want to show what it looks like getting to the top of the mountain you know cuz you are absolutely right looking at those videos you know you're talking 14 hours of footage dialed into a 20 minute video. Right, That's the hard part. And you know, if you, if you actually make, instead of just making the one 20 minute video, you make three 20 minute videos of the same hunt. You can show a lot more and you can show people the time and effort you actually put into it. Cause people don't appreciate it when they're just seeing that video, you know, they're just wanting to see an animal killed until they actually see the effort you put into it and go, Oh shit. Like that's really like these guys worked for this. Yeah, that's the stuff I like to see, man, is is that that grit, if you will. Right. That that the real Absolutely. experience, the reason because, I mean, you know, back to not just or more than just punching tags, not just punching tags. But that is a lot of the reason that we keep going back out there after it, as much as we love notching that tag, the grip and grins. Right. And then enjoying that uh, that meat. A lot of it is that struggle and that that pushing ourselves and then that growth that comes from pushing ourselves and the ability to push a little bit further each time after that growth. I mean, to me, that's the stuff well, that needs to be highlighted more. Absolutely. Here's the thing. It's, it's, it starts out as a gamble. You put in for the draw gambling. If you're going to get a tag or not buying all this stuff, if you're going to have, if you're going to spend all this money, 
it better be worth it because I don't know if I'm going to get a tag or not. If you do prepare beforehand and then to get on the hunt and actually be out there on the mountain and then realize, shit, I might not get a tag or get fill my tag. You know what I mean? It's, Isn't it's that all something? a big gamble and it's all it's crazy. <laughs> I won't go to Vegas. Hey, I, I, don't come. <laughs> I will not go to Vegas and put $20 down on anything, but I'll throw 700 to a thousand dollars on a tag and just kind of shrug my shoulders <laughs> when I don't twice. punch it. And we don't, we don't call ourselves gambling, man. <laughs> no, no, nope. I, I just think it's the level of effort. You know what I mean? Nobody's raping oh, me of it time. except me. It, yep. Nobody's, nobody's waking you up in the morning on those hunts. Nobody's putting the miles in, but you, and it's not, and this is the thing too. We're, I'm not doing this for fan base. This is, this is because I love it. Right. We love it. Absolutely. I was, if, if, if gnarly racks didn't work tomorrow and then I still, I still got my tag for November. So I'm still going to go hunting. You know what I mean? But it's, um, it's just a culmination of things. Well, I don't know the, the way Tyler met and, and I met and the whole, just the camaraderie of everything. The way it all went down just makes it feel like right and the way it's going to work. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I never thought he started the whole koozie and sticker and he was the one pushed for it and it's, it's working. I mean, so I, you know, I'm shocked I, to hear that koozie thing still. <laughs> that, that's what I, mean. I was like, I'm going to give me some Western contours koozie shit. <laughs> yeah, shit. Well, and what was crazy is it wasn't even really uh, my idea. Someone, uh, one of my younger sister's friends was like, why don't you guys start doing koozies? And at first I'm like, koozies? What the fuck would we do koozies? And then, you know, after thinking about it for a minute, I'm like, man, it, it would be pretty cool to have a koozie with, you know, my logo on it. And then I ended up uh, getting in touch with uh, a guy uh, up north here. And he, he does koozies. And he's like, yeah, he's like, this is the price on them. And I'm like, well, shit, looks like we're doing koozies, you know? And then, they, I mean, they turned out awesome. And it's just, you know, it's, it's free marketing. You know, people are going to get to know our brand where they're going to get to see what we're doing. And, you know, like Nick said, we're not doing it for the followers. You know, we're just trying to enjoy it with our followers. That's the way you to know, be, though, man. You can't... You cannot put a price on the networking and the sense of community that you experience when you venture down whatever, you know, platform you go down. It is, uh, it's phenomenal. Absolutely. And you know, the thing is if, if you start doing it for your followers, then you start forming to a mold and then you start losing real true, you know, people, you know, it's like, yeah, you may catch the eye of, you know, Sitka Under Armour, but that's not our goal. We want to go catch Joe Blow that just got off of work and is looking forward to seeing what, what we posted today. And then us yeah. interacting with them, more importantly, like not just, you know what I mean? Hey, they, Sitka could post whatever they want. They're going to get, what, 10,000 comments, but are they going to answer back to any? I, I mean, I take it personally when somebody comments, they took time out of the day to, to comment on what we thought was special. So why not? tell them what we think of what they said you know what i mean it's just a it's a that back and forth mm -hmm. it's a community man that that's what i'm saying it it's uh it really is and then it's like-minded people right so you feel like it's second to none well Absolutely. like, like it, well, it, it's tribalism i yeah. mean well, yeah all of us hunters i mean for the most part no matter how you choose to hunt no matter what kind of animal you choose to take there's a sense of tribalism between all of us and we can all we all have kind of a varied respect for each other for that well, I kind of have, I, like I said earlier, it's, it's a small community 
it's a close community and it's uh I almost feel like we're a little convicted for what we do by the rest of the world. And I, I don't, I don't know if that, that's probably going to catch some heat too, but no, cause uh, they're not going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to hear that we ain't elk hunting this year and they're going to shut it off. There you go. That's it right there. <laughs> like these fucking guys. Worthless. <laughs> no, but it is, it, we, we all can relate and it's just, I mean, I'm sure vegans can relate too, but this is a little more special, I think, than, going to your garden and picking your rosemary and hating on everybody. You know, that's the thing, is, <laughs> yeah. right? Is, is go to the garden, pick the rosemary. I don't have a problem with it. Why have a problem with what we're doing? Yep. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a hell of a topic. I'm not educated enough to talk about it. I'd love, I'd love to get somebody on the podcast where I could just have that dialogue back and forth. Um, Absolutely. Just to kind of hear mean, like, it. You know what I mean? It, it just, it would be very interesting to get that perspective and point of view to just, I just don't understand it. Yeah. And you know, I think that's something you would really have to study to understand because you know, with the way we grew up, we grew up very, diverse because we we're hunters but we understand why somebody wouldn't want to hunt you know we understand both sides but you get a lot of people who don't like hunting and they understand why hunting's bad but they don't understand our point of view they don't care to they don't want to not all the time i mean mind you there are folks who are willing to sit down and have a good conversation but there's enough of them that don't where it makes it you know an issue it's, it's a statistic yeah i think I think it's just the state of things, right? It, now, I agree. and I sound old when I say this nowadays, when you don't align with someone's opinion or views or beliefs, you're they're just automatically against you, right? Yep. Just, you know what I mean? And, and it's, and that's one of the things I appreciate with, with the majority of hunters, at least the ones I've spoken to, the ones I know, is that we're going to respect your views. If you decide not to partake in this or if you decide to be that vegan or that pescatarian, whatever it is, we'll respect that. We're not going to bash you for it until you start coming after us. And then we'll I shouldn't say the majority of us. Some of us have some of us will have a rational conversation and some of us will flip you off, turn you around and walk away. And then there's some guys that are going to, you know, yeah, you better not start with that guy. But yeah, it's yeah. just interesting to me, man, that that it's so it's so one sided. And yeah, you don't agree, then then piss on you. It's a trip. So yep, absolutely um, conservation. I'm going to let one of you guys take it. Give me a one a one minute spiel, man. The conservation quick. Just <laughs> let me know what you guys are, how you guys see it and view it and what you think we do good and can do better with. I can take this one. You got it. All right. Yeah, I got this one. I think conservation. I think the, the way the way we handle conservation here in America is wonderful for the most part. I really do. There's a lot of uh, a lot of hunters uh, themselves that are in with very important boards and cabinets when it comes to con conservation, and a lot of the people who make the rules and the laws about it understand that you can't just say, "Okay, no more hunting this." You know, we're, we're going to let them do their own thing. Well, they can't just do their own thing at this day and age. There are way too many people everywhere for that to happen. And, you know, and all, all the right people, all the smart people understand that. 
and we have enough on both sides. Now, mind you, I think if every single person was a hunter on a board, on, on a conservation board, and made the rules, I don't think that would be a good idea. I think we need those anti-hunters and, you know, animal rights activists to be like, oh, hey, hey, no, like, what about this? Think about this. You know, we always need guys to, to put us in our place and to make us think about things a little bit different. And, you know, like that being said, you know, it's, it's like California. I mean, I'm sure, you know, hunting California, it's a fork on one side or better, you know, gotta have a fork torn. And personally, I think we should switch that up. I think we should make it a three pointer better on one side. You know, I think that's one way we can do it. We can grow our deer population. We can, you know, start making more mature deer. And, you know, the overall hunting, I feel, would be a lot better if we did something like that. Well, that's a that's a rabbit hole in itself. Right. When you when you start talking Absolutely. about three pointer better and you're not managing the cat population and the bear population, in my opinion, yep. to a point. Yeah, I mean, it would all have to I mean, you'd have to find a way to tie it all in. together. Right. You know? Absolutely. I'm not saying like, oh, make it three point and keep everything the same. It's like, no, if you want to do three pointer better on one side, that's great. But maybe make you know, archery season, you know, it's four weeks, three weekends up where, or four weekends, three weeks up where I am. Maybe extend that out a week, uh, then jump rifle season out two weeks after that and extend that out a week. So they get to touch the beginning of the rut. So then, you know, it's not just like you're making these rules, you're working with hunters, you know, you're not just like, Oh, here's a new rule. Follow it. It's like, Hey, we did this, but since we did this, we're going to go ahead and give you guys this. You know, and I think things like that, you know, conservating, conservating that way is the way to do it. You know, work with hunters, because as soon as you stop working with hunters and outdoorsmen, they're going to stop working with you. And they're going to say, fuck your rules and regulations. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to put meat on our table our own way. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't. We don't ever see it go that way, but cool. So I absolutely hope that never happens, because that's something that if you go down that hole, it'd be real hard to come back from. Oh, you're not coming back, especially especially where we're at. If if we lose it or it starts to go too far negative, I I don't think it's coming back. Well, just yeah, definitely not. But, then you know, then you start getting real, real issues when it comes to uh, animals going on under the lid. Because, you know, as, as much, you know, conservationists as, as, you know, we are as hunters, we don't know all the numbers and statistics. We really don't. You know, we need a biologist to be like, hey, there's, you know, 40,000 deer right here kind of thing, because we really have no idea. Cool. So uh, anything we missed, guys? Anything you want to get out there? Any shouts? Uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Maddie's Guide Service up on uh, the Sacramento River, Cottonwood, California. Always takes care of us. Solid operation. And uh, that's about it so far. Reason we're doing what we're doing right now is because of him. Good deal, gents. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, and wrap it. Why don't you drop um, how folks can get a hold of you, where you guys are at, IG or web page well, I, I, like I just wanted to say hey, i appreciate it guy thanks for having us on the podcast Absolutely, i know we had to gentlemen. reschedule one time and uh now i appreciate the love and support and we always support you too brother yeah i appreciate that you guys keep doing what you're doing man build that community man and just you know keep the uh keep the positive outlook and messages going out there that's what the <laughs> absolutely and yeah you can uh, you can catch us most on instagram 
at uh, Gnarly Racks Outdoors is where you can find us. We don't use Facebook nearly as often as we should. But check it out just in case. <laughs> All right, gents. I appreciate yeah, your time both. greatly. All right. Thanks a lot, guy. I appreciate right. it. You got it. Thank you. All right. You can catch up with Travis and Nick on Instagram at Gnarly Rack Outdoors. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, check out sasquatchfuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head to sasquatchfuel.com. Hey guys, enter code Western Contours at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.